0: This is Living With Miles. I'm Miles. Morning. <laughs> I got nothing. Look, if it's not going to work, I'm not going to use it. That's just right off the table right now. This is people's work lives, man. It's, it's the stuff that matters. Where did that come from? I am way on board. You can inspire pride in to people. They'll follow you. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Here we are. Uh, once again, middle of January. So over the last couple of days, I've been building up a a blog. You can see that blog at shamaninasuit, all one word, com. The the thing that's interesting about blogs is, so I'm doing transcriptions of these recordings, but I'm also going back through a lot of my old writings and finding old ideas that have come up. And I I came across one this morning while I was looking around that had had some tie-ins to what we were talking about today, or at least this week. And so I want to share it with you and maybe talk about some of that, Let's talk about some of those things that came up in this. Now, I was using an older language here. I was referring to the subconscious aspect, the, the, the primal aspect of humanity, the subconscious things that go on behind the, the scenes as the sleeping mind. And I liked this language. And this was back in, uh, oh, wow, November of 2013. And so I had this and I, I just wanted to, to go over because it had some really nice things that tie into what we've been talking about so far. So I had an insight given to me a couple of days ago. By engaging intimately with others, I obligate myself to their happiness. This is something that's led to a desire for isolation as a relief from an unattainable goal, constant happiness in others. I can't control the happiness of others, though I can influence it. To have the happiness of others stand as a linchpin for my own sense of success is not setting a very high bar to achieve it's perhaps too high. It, In my desperation to meet it, I get lost along the way and don't bring my best to the game. Remaining detached emotionally allows my empathy to hear what's going on beyond my own invested desires. Letting go of the ambition of everyone getting along allows me to have energy for the things I want to achieve. Emotional fuel level in a manner of speaking, is a new idea and one that I've not really thought much about. Giving it thought now shows me that indeed I've been expending a tremendous amount of fuel, letting my reservoir drain for inefficient purposes. The distinction between calmness and what I'm thinking of now is one of choosing where to invest emotion rather than managing through restraint. I like the wording there. Investing emotion in desired action. If my investment is not in my control, then I'm investing poorly and my results will be wasteful. If I hoard my fuel, then I lose any sense of connection to values and die the slow death. Live vibrantly by investing all that I am in the right places to achieve my desires. Guess it makes the need to know those desires significantly more important. Had a conversation with a strong world person on Sunday. She didn't think herself strong-willed and instead thought of herself as weak. When her emotions ran high she said she couldn't prevent herself from crying i told her that was a strong will she didn't understand i had to explain to her that her will was so strong that her rational conscious mind had no control over the desires of that will there was something there if i could synthesize it let's see every action one takes is one of intention with a desired outcome or result if the action is voluntary then the conscious mind is the origin of the desire if the action is involuntary then the sleeping mind is the origin of the desire to root out what the sleeping mind is up to observe the actions and ask what the intention is example i'm uncontrollably crying in the face of being argued with as it is uncontrollable it's the sleeping mind the crying is carefully selected and done with deliberate intent what is the desired result of the crying What effect does crying have that could be desirable for the sleeping mind? When these questions can be asked in the moment as a curiosity to explore, it doesn't matter the circumstance, only the motives at this point, then an insight into the methods of the sleeping mind can come out of the shadows and provide our understanding of the ally in the darkness. It tends to the behavior that we admonish. But it is the desire we need to understand in order to engage that behavior where it lives and set it on a more profitable path another idea that came out of the conversation is that the efforts of the sleeping mind are usually overkill thus expensive given enough time debts will collect that will need to be paid the debt is manifested in this case through relationships relationships are being harmed by the self-focused desires of the sleeping mind The self-focus is a good thing and should be celebrated. However, it should also be achieved through means that are preferably profitable, rather than accruing more debt for the long term. The sleeping mind has no interest in tomorrow, only the now. To accommodate the now in a way that complements tomorrow requires reason and known desires. So that was the original article i love going back over old material because i love how the language has changed how the ideas have cultivated and developed over time and how they've they've matured or how they've varied and in some cases how they've denigr how they've not, how they've degraded there's sometimes i'll find something that i i used to think very very strongly and then i've let that go or i've let that slip and it's That's why I like journaling. I like holding on to the old stuff so that I have that and I have that resource to be able to go back to and take a look at. And in this case, when I'm looking at this notion of the energy levels and the energy reservoir and then the subconscious actions that a depletion of that energy reservoir actually cause to take effect, what they they actually bring to mind, this whole language, I, I love this language of the sleeping mind being focused on the here and now and we need to integrate that. We need to not reject that. We need to integrate that with reason and known desires so that so that we can make that manifest in a profitable way. It becomes that difference between desire and manifestation of desire. And this really does come into that, that piece of really knowing yourself and knowing who you are and knowing what you're up to even when you're thinking about it, when you're not thinking about it. And I like that test. What are you doing? Is it controllable? If it's not controllable, then it's a subconscious act. It's a sleeping mind act. If it's not controllable, if we can't discipline it, or if we don't understand why we can't just stop doing it, then there's something else and something significant going on beneath the surface. And we need to do that introspective work to go find out what's going on. Now, I'm a big proponent of emotional intelligence, huge proponent of emotional intelligence. I think it's one of the most valuable interpersonal people skills that we can have. And to have emotional intelligence begins not with understanding other people. It begins with understanding yourself. It begins with understanding the stories you're telling yourself. The dialogues, the, the, the programs that you have set in mind that you are using as shortcuts to make decisions and to move through your, your living days. And these shortcuts, if you're not actively monitoring those shortcuts and those shortcuts are being established and reinforced and maintained, whether they are beneficial or detrimental to you, it doesn't, isn't a factor. They are just you. And so here you are with this dynamism going on. And the question is, do you know what's going on? Are you in control of what's going on? In yesterday's podcast, we talked about your blood, sweat, and tears and that they're going to be invested somewhere. And are you going to take an active role, and active engagement of investing them and being in charge of that investment? Or were you going to just ride the, you know, were you just going to ride the roller coaster and see where it takes you and let other people make those decisions? This is the same thing, except those other people are your subconscious mind, which is only seeing to the needs of your immediate now. And living for the immediate now, though can be fun in the immediate, usually leads to shallow shallow, and sometimes often detrimental longer term effects. We may win the battle, but we lose the war. And so we want to make sure that we are aware of what's going on. But that means that we have to do that work. We have to go in and understand who we are. We need to learn how to reason which is hopefully one of those things that education is supposed to do. It's one of those things that school is supposed to do. And if you want to increase and sharpen your reason, you know, study logic, just straight up study logic. It's, it's all over the internet. Everything is available now. So there you go. Learn fallacies, learn how they work, learn what they are, because they are the language that you are using within yourself. Just like I talked about in the negation language piece, that the, the language we use controls the way that we think. So when we're using fallacies on ourselves, when we're using logical fallacies on ourselves, and this happens all the time, then we're reinforcing things from an inappropriate perspective, not using our reason well as a weapon or as a tool for our own benefit, we're using it against ourselves or, we're, or the lack of use of it, whether that's through willfulness or ignorance is a detriment to us, and it's a detriment that we can do something about. It's a detriment that we don't have to suffer. It's something we don't have to we don't have to, to to endure. We can do something about it. So educate our minds so that we can think rationally, and we need to do the exploration. We need to do the inner work. We need to do the emotional delving in to go and see who we are, what we are, what's important to us, why we do the things we do. What are the things we do that we don't want to pay attention to? And why do we do those? You know, it's that place. It's the stuff that we either can't control or that we try to ignore that really kind of dominates our personality sometimes. That's when we get surprised by when people laugh at something that relates to us and we don't get it. That's when You know, we don't see ourselves very well. The only time I see myself in a day usually is when I'm looking in the mirror while I'm shaving. And I look, I'm quite handsome when I'm shaving, but I have a sneaking suspicion that because I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I'm posing a little bit. I know that I will suck in my gut a little bit when I see myself in the mirror. I know that for a fact. So I have no idea what I look like when I'm just walking down. And I always get shocked whenever I see a photo of myself, a candid photo taken. And I used to be, when I was doing public speaking, I used to be in candid photos quite often. And I was really shocked. And I understood the value of something that President Ronald Reagan said. He said the advantage that he had was because he was an actor and because he'd, he'd been in so many films, He knew what he looked like from every angle. And he used that to his advantage. We need to do this emotionally for ourselves. We need to know what we look like from every angle. We need to know what those mechanisms are that are going on inside. So that when they manifest, we can decide whether we're going to let that manifestation go or whether we're going to turn it to a more productive direction and utilize it in some other way. We can't annihilate them that's not that's that's inner work that's in in the mind it's going to be there I mean, I, I saw a wonderful, a wonderful comic today in my Facebook. Somebody sent it it said, you know, 10 years ago. And here's this person with their gripping mental illness wrapped around them like this giant, this giant blob of, uh, you know, horror, this horror blob thing, terrifying them. And they were crying. And then 10 years later, the mental illness is there. And he's like, yeah, hey, what's up? How's it going? You know, it, it's just like this. This is the way we need to be about our 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 own trials and tribulations we know them we don't reject them we accept them we engage them we utilize them because they're powerful and meaningful in some way if we're clever enough to figure out how but we need to know them we can't afford to be ignorant of them and when we stop being ignorant of our own inner workings two things happen number one we know how much of ourselves we're projecting onto others And number two, we have a means of negotiating emotions, at least for ourselves, where we have one trial case where it seems to have worked. And maybe we can use that to build empathy for our working with others and our working to bridge the gap between what we want in the short and immediate term and what we want in the long term and make it so that it, it works, it fits, it's profitable, it's, it's successful. So there you go. There, there's a, I thought that was interesting, and I like the tools. I like the piece of if you can't control it, then it's a subconscious desire. And if you don't know what's going on, then we need to figure that out. So that's going to wrap it up today. Meet me out on the Facebook at Living With Miles. Love to see you there. iTunes at Living With Miles as well. And now we have WordPress, the blog at shamaninasuit.wordpress.com. Talk to you next time.